Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. Today I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the AFC Nova Small Business IT Day. My guests were Greg Garcia, the Deputy CIO and Chief Data Officer for the Army, and Eileen Vadrine, the Air Force Chief Data Officer. First, we hear from Greg Garcia from the Army. There's nothing that happens in either of our our MILDEPs that doesn't come through your great services uh, by providing the products and services that you do provide. And it's really harnessing the innovation. Uh, One of my favorite quotes is, it's not who innovates first, it's who integrates the innovation first. So great ideas are important, but great ideas that are implemented are are most important. Uh, So I've been the chief data officer probably now six, seven months. Uh, I really don't like like to keep track. and so that was kind of a new job for me. I was the I am and continue to be the data chief, the deputy CIO for the Army. And uh, so we had individual that was the CDO uh, move on to the Navy. So my boss uh, thought, wow, what a great opportunity to escalate the position of CDO to a Tier 3 SES, which I think was absolutely brilliant, right, for the Army, because what it shows is it's that important. So I think that's one of the things that's probably different from the MILDEPs is that the Army is committed at the highest levels to put a senior official in charge of our direction for uh, data. So maybe I'll stop there and, and kick it over to you. Maybe that was something you didn't know. Actually, you're going to kick it over to me because i got to do my job and ask you a follow-up question. Let me kick it over to Mr. Miller. <laughs> also quick one of the questions that comes up time and again, Greg, is having a CIO, in your case, a deputy CIO, who also holds the CDO role. Now, one could argue information and data are two sides of the same coin, are two coins that are separate. I mean, there's a lot of discussion. How do you, being as the deputy CIO and the CDO, how does that help you? How does that maybe, what challenges does it bring you? It's really easy to talk to myself about what needs to be done. (laughs) Uh, My decision cycle actually is pretty cool because it's like, wow, that's a brilliant idea. Dear Deputy CIO, why don't you do that? I'm like, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. And then uh, it gets, I mean, that's the one benefit is it really is from inspiration to execution in a very simple manner for me. So we have specifically in the Army dedicated some cloud money. We specifically talked about, you know, this is kind of all stops, uh, starts back about five years and data center closures. How do you close data centers? You move applications. Then how do you prioritize applications? And then what we found out is you don't necessarily have to move applications to get the value out of data, right? So you can move the data sets into a big data platform or data lake and then to extract some data. So what I've been able to do as the CDO is actually throw this new element into my other role as deputy CIO to say, hey, maybe some of this cloud money doesn't go to applications. Maybe I extract value out of moving data first versus always thinking about moving applications first. So for me, I think that was great synergy. I would tell you for other organizations, it kind of depends on maturity. So I'm not saying that uh, there it's better or worse, it sort of depends on your mission goals of how and you support the development of CDO office and how do you support the roles and missions of a CIO. And I think there's a lot of new CXOs, right? So, you know, chief customer experience officer. I think one of the things that you um, uh, didn't specifically mention, mention, but the chief ethics officer for data, right? That's super important because now what you have is data sets that traditionally have not been put together that are being put together and there's a lot of privacy and ethical concerns about that. So the, another big role you see emerging is the chief ethics officer. And actually, that came out, remember, several years ago. There's a specific name for it. It escapes me right now. It's, it's when 
this data set and that data set separately, but you can bring them together. The yeah, we used to call it CUI, right? When you add unclassified elements to more and more, you get aggregation Correct. concerns, right? So now it, is it still unclassified or is now at a different level? And that total picture, I mean, this is sort of a continuity, right? When you know everything about your opponent, you know, go to the World Series, right? If you know what the pitcher is going to throw it because it does this every time, you know, that's the whole thing about AI. It's powerful and, and, and innovative. All right, very Any nice. Other questions? Yeah. Uh, no, I got plenty, but we're going awesome. to we're going to move over to Eileen. Our organization, the Air Force, is a little unique also. So, I work for the Undersecretary, the Honorable Matthew Donovan, and I really have a trusted partnership. So, there's we have a um, a construct that we call it an Air Force Digital Air Force, and it's really about optimizing people, processes, and technology to optimize how we perform. And so it's really a partnership in the Air Force where I work on a daily basis with the Deputy CIO, Bill Marion, as well as the Deputy CMO, uh, Richard Lombardi, so that we're really looking at not just what the data is, but what are, how we are optimizing the business processes to move forward. And because we're all aligned under the same leader, we really have a, an opportunity to gain velocity, which makes it really exciting because there isn't a, a senior leader meeting that I've gone to in the last five months where they haven't, they've talked about data and I just haven't gotten invited to the meeting. Um, so it's really, it's part of their daily conversation, which is pretty exciting. All right. That is very exciting. Now, we're going to come to your questions in a second, so start thinking of them. But in the meantime, Eileen, one of the things that, that occurs when you talk about the people, the process, and the technology, maybe walk me through an example or, or something you guys are doing in each of those areas, if, if something comes to mind where data or your office specifically is maybe driving some change or some transformation? In my organization, we have a, a small lab. Um, it's, it's based in Andrews Air Force Base. And uh, what we really do look at is small use cases that have enterprise implications. So um, we actually bring toge together data scientists, data architects, and the functional expert so that we don't make sure an I like to say we take the geek to the mission so that they actually can understand what's going on. And in, the, in our first year, we've just wrapped our, about our 15th use case, that, and uh, several of them are now being scaled across the enterprise. So we take a problem set, we uh, use data science to solve it, and then we use that as really the seed to grow the next use case moving forward. And... When we began, most of our use cases were we asked people, how can we help you work smarter? Now people knock on the door and we actually have to turn folks away because we don't have enough capability. And so the, the people piece is most individuals don't know that my organization, is a, as a startup organization, was stood up with a group of amazing citizen airmen that took a break from their industry positions to come on active duty for a year to stand up a capability. Many of them came from small businesses, so thank you. The, and some of them pivoted back on 1 October. Some have extended a little bit longer. But we part of the story is that it is really hard to hire people that are great in this in this this field. We all need them. And so the next big piece on the, on the people part of it is to really um, upskill the workforce that we have. So um, we have a couple of initiatives. One is um, with the 
Air Force Institute of Technology out in Dayton, where they will actually be rolling out the first data science micromasters, which will be online available to uh, what we call our total force, military, civilian, active guard, reserve moving forward. And I will be honest, I asked the team to actually do a math refresher because I didn't want people to down-select themselves out of it because they haven't had a certain math course in a long time. So we want to make sure that folks are ready to start that capability moving forward. We're also looking at what I call Lego block courses of short courses of how to upskill people faster in that capability because we have some really great folks in our um, Air Force that we really need to invest in. They have that functional knowledge and we just need to sharpen their pencils a little bit on the data science side because many of these leaders data has always been part of their leadership journey they just never really thought that they are citizen data scientists just waiting for their next opportunity to leverage that so it's really a combination of doing the the investment not banking on the fact that I'm just going to find people out in industry that or and then making sure that we have the right tools so the other piece to it is that we're trying to bring more innovative or what I call current state tools into the environment. So in my cloud instance, we have current state tools. Some of them have never been deployed in the Air Force before, um, whether it's um, Python and R that with uh, associated libraries so that the airman that just graduated from college that knows how to program in Python if I give them access to the data sets they need, they can actually be part of the solution moving forward. Um, so it's really kind of thinking outside the box. And just because we've never done it before doesn't mean it's really the way to move forward. Give them today's to- tools to answer their questions. So it's people, processes, and tech together. We have to take a break. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts from a panel I moderated at the FCN Nova Small Business IT Day. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the FCN Nova Small Business IT Day. My guests on the panel were Greg Garcia, the Deputy CIO and Chief Data Officer for the Army, and Eileen Vadreen, the Air Force Chief Data Officer. In this segment of the show, the panelists take questions from the audience. Greg, can you walk us through maybe some people, process, and technology examples of what the Army is looking at, considering, or even doing? It's kind of exciting. as you know, we, we both work in a, a world that's emerging. One of the things we've done, uh, so we have our financial management into a big data platform. Uh, we're implementing category management throughout the uh, Army in various categories. So, so now we can actually see all spend in the Army 16, 17, 18, and 19, and make educated decisions about what standard services are and standard service levels, where the spend is, where the best value is. We can see where there is spend that is outside of enterprise contract vehicles. It's just really amazing to see the detailed spend of $12 billion. The other thing we've done is in our IT area, we have something called Gabriel Nimbus, which is an additional uh, big data platform where all our Our cyber data is uh, fused into, and so we get unprecedented visibility of all sorts of what was formerly independent streaming data from our cyber sensors into one place that data analysts can uh, go into. 
We fielded something called the Army Leadership Dashboard, where we took over 135 different data sets and put them in a big data platform that now we can see readiness like we've never seen readiness before. It is not only correlates that data, but it actually gives you projections. It says, if you move this person to this job or you fix this vehicle with this part that's available here, you can get your readiness from, you know, say, uh, C2 to C1. Remarkable capability. We've also... Uh, done that. Uh, you know, we're implementing IPSA, which is a big part of our human resources activity. The first time unprecedented access across the entire active duty reserve uh, human resource enterprise. So it's really kind of very exciting about the things we're doing. In AI, machine learning, we have actual, uh, our AI task force as part of Futures Command is actually building technologies and capabilities that will enhance our ability to defend and uh, uh, be a little bit more assertive in our worldwide responsibilities for uh, influencing our near-peer competition. So, you know, our, our four priorities are people, readiness, modernization, and reform. And I can tell you that data is be, being used every single day to inform those four priorities to make better decisions. I like to say the data at the speed of relevance, right? So if we're making just major investment decisions, we're getting data at the speed of relevance to inform those decisions. All right, so there's a lot to uh, talk through. Who has questions? Diane Belgard with Soundway Consulting. I'm curious. I've been working in uh, DOD IT since, you know, the early 90s. And military, government, data, information sharing, standardization has always been pretty contentious. So what do you credit with the success that we're having probably in the last few years with um, getting cross-government, cross-agency, collaboration, and working together, kind of a kumbaya, let's get it done thing. The bottom line is when we go downrange, we don't go alone. So we have to support each other, and we want to make sure that, that what, whether it's a soldier, a sailor, or an airman that's downrange has the absolute best information that they can have so that they can make the best decision. And the only way we can do that is if we work together to have interoperable standards. I won't say that it's been easy because, I mean, it's work, okay? And it's, it's not the cool, always considered the cool, exciting work. But when you, do, when you build that type of um, baseline, your return on investment on your technology dollar just multiplies very quickly. So it's really a core foundational piece. And... I think the other piece that I think really helps us is that we're at a point now where the the young servicemen and women that are coming in, they've grown up digital natives. They expect that availability of actionable data on a daily basis to do their mission. If they don't, they're not going to be happy with what they do. They they want to be empowered, and um, data at at their level empowers them to do that. And so senior leadership has to support them because if you want to keep the best you have to make sure that they're happy and part of being happy is it's part of their core culture but it hasn't been part of everybody's culture so the culture change I won't say is insignificant I think for me that's been the hardest part is the culture change but it's worth the investment and um, I know that where I am the senior leadership that I serve with and under they understand that it is too important not to do it because it will change how we do work on a daily basis. It will make us 
and keep us with that strategic advantage. So we have to do it. I mean, sometimes you, you do part of your job and it's not your most favorite piece to do, but it's, it's necessary. Uh, Greg talked about AI. You can't do AI without great, high quality volumes of data. So, you, so if we want to use that power, we have to make sure that we line up the playing field to get there. I think the only thing I'd add is, is really what I would uh, invite you to read is the National Defense Strategy because, because the, the complexity of the threat has significantly changed. Uh, we're talking about multi-domain operations. We're talking about all-domain operations. So the, the world of living on your own doesn't exist anymore in any one of our services because of the pressure of the threat of near-peer competition. So what I would suggest is, uh, you know, this is, uh, I would all urge you to think about also, you know, like supply chain risk, right? IT supply chain risk, cyber supply. There's critical elements that uh, seem to be a day-to-day, oh, well, that's not so bad, that really have the underpinning that can uh, affect our ability to be a a good partner with our coalition and allies and for our own national defense. So the, the threat has shifted from land and sea and air to all of those with cyber, with data, really is a landscape to uh, social media, all of that. So it's really about data that is correlated to have insights that you no longer can, as a system application owner, you cannot answer the question anymore with what you have in your application. It really needs all sources to come to bear on that, and I think that's driven the desire in senior leaders to recognize that and then this is coming from top down this isn't a bunch of smart people saying we've got to really worry about data it's the senior leader saying we need to worry about data data is the new strategic asset that we must get in front of we have to take a break you're listening to a special edition of ask the cio on federal news network i'm your host jason miller today i'm playing excerpts from a panel i moderated at the fca nova small business it day Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the FCA Nova Small Business IT Day. My guests on the panel were Greg Garcia, the Deputy CIO and Chief Data Officer for the Army, and Eileen Vadrine, the Air Force Chief Data Officer. In this segment of the show, the panelists continue to take questions from the audience. Hello, my name is Joe Butte, and my question is, uh, how are you thinking about analytics as a service with folks like us in how, how do you plan on implementing that? What are some of the use cases that you're going to share with us so we can help you out? Just to talk about the framework of what, we, of what I think this is, is you have a, a platform that is available. You're going to have tools and resources that apply. If that's a, an AI, if that's Python, if that's R, if, if that's some other kind of data analytic tools that people need, you're going to have to have some kind of secure DevOps capability because one of the things that I'm concerned about is when you some of these tools are really powerful and you got to really be careful about how you put them on production or off production right so I believe you've got to kind of have them off production have all that discovery all that learning all that success and failure and then figure out very rapidly how to update that algorithm and then through a dev secure ops part put that back in production I think a lot of those components can be provided by either uh, our great small business or large business base and or uh, some aspects of that government. So I think the key is what we've seen is a partnership between data scientists from industry and functional expertise and some slice of data scientists from the government. So it's really kind of a place to go explore and learn. I'm a big fan of insight-based 
data in the sense of what do you want to know that would change your mind about the mission you're about to, to embark on, right? So what would you like to know? The weather, uh, where people are, whatever those elements are, and then how do you find the data sets that brings that together to give you that insight that you need right before mission time and during mission and then post-mission. And I think that, that takes a collective team. And so those skills and those uh, foundational elements of the infrastructure and the uh, implementation of that are all elements that I think are, are you know, we're very interested in hearing about from, from industry. All right, before Eileen goes, let me just jump in real quick. I think to put a finer point on his question, since we're in a room full of industry, any acquisition plans? Is there anything they should look out for? Is there any, do you already have tools that yeah. you're looking to expand? Anything you could just, yeah, so I know like features come in right now is uh, out for, you know, we, we talk about a data scientist enclave, right? They're out, uh, Futures Command's got right now an RFP for uh, what a data scientist enclave could be for Futures Command. We're, we're in a partnership with the Air Force on uh, a contract on Cloud One, right, that will bring uh, not only compute storage, uh, you know, Jedi's out there. Uh, that's going to be an ordering vehicle. So I will tell you is uh, some of these vehicles that will be available with uh, large and small partners, I, I think you're going to see a lot of action in 20 to, to really get after some of that. So I know for us it's not just cloud migration anymore. It's data assessment and data value. You know, I've had a senior leader say, hey, I, I'd love to know everything about long-range precision fires like by fall. So that isn't like, you know, next year or a year after. That means we need to know now because – the modernization reform efforts need this information to be refined, to be even more precise in what we want to invest in. In the Air Force, we're trying to think a little bit outside the box. So just last week, we ran an industry day because we've had what I call standard IT consulting contracts, but we need to make sure that we have similar type vehicles for Uh, data services. And when I say data services, it's not just about consulting, it's about tools and it's about commercial data sets too, because there are different pieces to that puzzle so that it's easier to get access to services. The other piece that the Air Force has been working on is we work a lot with the defense innovation community. So just last spring, we did a multi-domain operations challenge with the Air Force innovation group out called AFWorks. There were 300 proposals. They down-selected to 100. Um, A couple months ago, they down-selected to 30. And later on this year, they'll actually do a down-select. Dr. Uh, Roper uh, does uh, pitch days specifically to try to bring new companies into the federal space and specifically the DOD and the Air Force space. Um, I, there's, you know, we're always asking the questions about cyber money, small business money, how, because that gives me an opportunity to leverage my budget a little bit more. Was that industry day you, that you held, was that after an RFI, before an RFI? There was, no um, RFI? There was an RFI out, and we put it out on um, FedBizOps through our contracting office, and okay. that will inform how the actual requirement goes out later this year. So people can find it there. That is correct. Excellent. All right, another question right here. When you all are thinking about all the innovation happening inside your different services, how are you looking forward to establishing kind of data superiority joint services? What things are you guys doing at the JCS level across the services to really look at how do we make sure that we're aggregating all the data to really get a combined arms view of how do we approach theater operations? This has come up very recently in... uh and this question about multi-domain, all-domain operations, that's really, I think, where we're getting after that is it, it's no longer air, air land battle. It's no longer you know, sea, 
forward. It, it's really, I mean, you, what you hear in the building is all domain and, and multi-domain operations. And you can't do that without collaboration among the services. And I think we've got a, a great partner in joint staff, the DODCIO. The, these are all the top topics that come about. I think one of the other implementation mechanisms that the DODCIO now has as the uh, approver of the services IT budgets, he's been issuing things called capability planning guidance requirements. So for us, there was, I think, a total of 81 issued for the 21 period that says, you know, you should do this, right? And and it's not really you should, it's maybe you shall. And here's the timeline. And so everybody's got to report back about how they're supporting and they get a grade and the DOD decides whether to certify that budget or make a programming budget issue out of it. So I think that's a new, really a, a, a strong mechanism that, that the DOD CIO has to, to validate our budget, uh, to approve our budget in this area with that capabilities planning guidance uh, requirements. All right, but you, my little reporter antennae went up. Do you make those public? I know the answer. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> There are some uh, unclassed and some other classifications of those. Is, is there, so I guess the next question would then be because for an industry audience or even for us in, in, in interested reporters, having a high-level view of what those capabilities are would be awesome because then we could help get yeah. this word out. I mean, if you're looking for non-traditional contractors or small yeah. businesses, we don't know what we don't yeah. know. So I think what you see is those are in, enacted in uh, very recent OTAs or other contracting actions that get after that. So they're like, for instance, a, a, know, Deos is an example, yeah. right? That's a, a major contract about getting can't after about, office we, productivity. We can't talk about that. Eileen. Okay. <laughs> I think the other thing is that the CDO community and the DOD may be really small, but I think that we're really connected. So we really support each other moving forward. So when... Um, when we have successes, we share them. So, for instance, in my lab, we developed a methodology to create um, how to run a use case. And so we actually put together a workshop on how to run a use case. And it was attended by all of the services. We actually, um, once a year, the Air Force uh, goes and does their cyberspace conference down in Montgomery, Alabama in August. And we ran that workshop, a truncated version of that workshop, in conjunction with that organization, too, because it is about us working together. It's, we don't have all of the answers. And I think that it comes back to my amazing citizen airmen that came from industry that brought all of these amazing ideas into the Air Force. And I know that they've learned a lot about standing up a new organization, a new capability in the Air Force that they get to take back to their home agency when they go back. So it's it's really that, what I call trusted partnership moving forward. All right, another question? Yeah, I just have a, a kind of a follow-on, and I'll just read it because I made sure, but um, knowledge management, um, in my opinion, uh, data science, it's a data science subspecialty, a component that's really called out in the data strategies. Uh, it seems like it lacks the senior leadership championship in order to help the new data-centric and data-based operational and functional environment. It's not, like they're not having the cultural shift that's necessary in order to operationalize this big change in using data instead of applications or silos or whatnot. And knowledge management seems like it's the more policy governance and culture shift. It's the softer piece to that more, you know, hard data piece. So do you have that knowledge management, that culture shift, 
embedded in your strategy? Do you see it as necessary? Is it something that's piecemealed out? What do you think? For me, um, I think that's why the, my use case lab is really important because I, I think it's important that my airmen across, across my enterprise actually see data in action. You can build a whole bunch of policies, but if they can't have real-world application, it's a harder sell. And so it's really been we're building the plane as we're flying it at the same time. And, but it, it's Im important to see the differences. The other piece is that sometimes you come up with a solution and it's not perfect. So having that agile approach, and that is also a culture, a culture shift for us. So we're moving to be more of a software organization than a hardware organization. And that is a big culture change. And so it's really important that senior leaders understand that culture change. We are trying to hire people civilian-wise that there's no official career series for. And that's not going to happen overnight. There will be a career series. HR 4174 says there will be one. But... For, at least for us, we've been saying it's not just about civilians, it's about total force, active guard reserve, military civilian. We have to have that capability across our entire workforce. And it has to be, there are gonna be some folks that have, um, that are what I call the, the true deep data science, data engineer. And then there are gonna be other colleagues that have more of a breadth approach than a depth approach. So. Not everybody is going to want to be a hardcore data scientist, um, but they d do need to have data science as part of their core DNA and their competency capability moving forward. And that discussion is sometimes a little uncomfortable with folks. I had somebody the other day, I've been using the word data uh, acumen rather than data literate because I had somebody ask me, if I'm not data literate, am I, and I'm not gonna use the word, and I, of course the answer was no. Um, but um, it's gotta be part of everybody's toolbox moving forward to different depths. And so trying to find that balance and that shift, it, it's, it's a pivoting point. And some places are going faster than others. And they become your change champion. And then you need to highlight their successes so that other folks can look at them as exemplars moving forward. Because we can't move everything all at one time, but if you can get those change champions to, and really highlight them, it's amazing what you can get done when you're not worried about who gets the credit. You make sure that your change champion gets that credit because they will become your permanent change champion. I think for the Army, our number one line of effort in our, our data plan is the talent and culture aspect. Right? I think that's the number one thing that you have to, to get. You, you have to change the culture and, and get the talent to, to get on this. My analogy is uh, I recently went to the doctor, and you know, for the hour and eight minutes you're at the doctor, how much, what portion does the doctor actually see you? Twelve minutes? Um, maybe, yeah, seven minutes, right? So I see a data scientist as the doctor. So there's a, there's a technician, there's a doctor, there's a physician's assistant, there's someone that takes my blood pressure, there's someone that tells me uh, I know, all sorts of things. 
But they set the environment for the data scientists to come make the determination of the critical factors. They're not there for the entire hour and eight minutes, right? So what I see is a data scientist is that physician that the rest of us support with environments, with tool sets, with updates, with uh, putting data together that builds that relationship of all those elements, and then he can look in there and says, yeah, you're just old, okay? Um, <laughs> that's the key is that he has everything available to him to make that determination, though there were probably six people involved in that total customer experience, that mission experience of determining whether I'm just complaining or there's a real thing, right? So that's what I equate to it. So like in the 2210 career field, you know, we have a lot of legacy skills. So how do we be the physician's assistants in the future, right? So t making uh, data and AI and machine learning aspects a critical part of their job forward, but maybe not being the actual physician that renders a professional opinion of the data sets. That's how I equate it to we have to take a break. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts from a panel I moderated at the FCA Nova Small Business IT Day. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the FCA Nova Small Business IT Day. My guests on the panel were Greg Garcia, the Deputy CIO and Chief Data Officer for the Army, and Eileen Vadreen, the Air Force Chief Data Officer. In this segment of the show, the panelists continue to take questions from the audience. Hi, thank you, Jason. Todd Schwartzbach with Technanomy, and I really appreciate this dialogue. It's very informative. So question for Mr. Garcia. As you, it's clear that we've been talking a little bit here about the dialogue going on between the branches, the organizations of evolution. Very curious about how you would assess capability in this data sphere versus the near-peer competitors that we have. And given that, what kinds of strategic changes, directional or otherwise, have you made? Because it's clear that those competitors don't always deal with the same kind of political or moral guidance that we all enjoy. So how are you changing direction? How are you assessing capability? Where are you going from here? We can't sacrifice our values just because the others don't. Do uh, that, that's my fundamental premise, right? So we're not going to be, uh, we're not going to get in the ditch with them, but we are going to prioritize this and make this a priority. I, I will tell you that Army senior leaders, if you went to AUSA, you heard the Secretary of the Army talk about AI, data, and cloud as one of his most important activities to do in his tenure, because nothing in uh, Army Futures Command can operate without the ones and zeros that are going to run around from the tactical edge all the way through the enterprise. That data set that informs the commander about risk and reward, victory or defeat, have to be present in disconnected environments, edge environments, and through the entire spectrum. And they realize that. So I think to get to the competition is that we're going to have to focus and execute and invest. And I think what you'll see is there's a significant investment from the Army view in cloud, in data, and in AI analytics. The AI task force stood up, the, the cross-functional team for networks, synthetic training environments, soldier lethality, all those things are centered around making data and, and available throughout the decision, the OODA loop process for every, every mission in the Army. And they recognize that doesn't work without data 
in AI, machine learning, and cloud. And they're, I mean, we're putting together, uh, we have, a, you know, I'd say a number that's in the 100 million for uh, 20, in the 200 million in the 21 timeframe, and, and we're continuing to invest to make this a reality. And it's a focus as- aspect of our congressional objectives and, and our interactions with our partners. I agree with what Greg's saying. It's it's really about making sure that every serviceman person has the data they need to make at, at the decision point, at the speed of relevance. I mean, it's a fast-moving train. And when we don't have that data, we don't make the most optimized decisions, and it has consequences. And whether it's budget consequences, efficiency consequences, so it's it's really it's part of a core capability moving forward. So, so I'm going to get to this other question, but just real quick, what's the one I'll call it advice? What's the one thing that that when you guys do talk with vendors or, or have or your or your your folks talk with vendors that they're not bringing to you when it comes to that speed to, to relevance? Is is there well we can do it, but it will take two and a half years type of discussion? Like what, what's what's the frustration? What's the What's the biggest kind of like, no, guys, we've got to be better, faster, I won't say cheaper. I'll tell you, we're very partnered on this very question, right? So the Marine Corps and the uh, Army really are live and exist in a disconnected, contested, congested world, right? So the key is the strategy of the – this is where I think cloud is actually most important – is to how do you have a tactical cloud in Humvee, right? A little snowball or a little Azure presence or a little Oracle presence that has this fit for purpose or general purpose compute storage capability that says, hey, I'm going to provide you what I know when I'm not connected, but as soon as I get any network available, this is another thing that talks about uh, zero trust networking, right? Where you say, hey, I, I need to get some extracts of this data available on any pipe that comes up. How do I think about cybersecurity in a in a contested congested world, and from the from the disconnected edge to the tactical edge, back through the enterprise, among among in between any network that's available, is exactly what we're struggling with right now and after. And I think the you know the uh, futures command uh, we have. So not only is it for us, it's for our partners and the and and the um, uh, MPE environment, the multi-partner environment, about how we share data and how we uh, collaborate. So that is absolutely the center of, of our planning moving forward. And Eileen, if you could jump in. When you talked with uh, Deputy CIO Bill Marion, you said you guys work very closely together. What kind of conversations are you having since you're not necessarily in that network world? You're more obviously the data world, but the conversations are happening with you, around you, well, there's a, a huge uh, migration to software as a service. And part of my story is that I can't be successful in the cloud if people can't connect. So the Air Force has made some huge investments um, over the next, over the fight up in terms of uh, doing, um, updating our pipes moving forward. Um, of course, it's not happening fast enough because if it wasn't done yesterday, it's not fast enough. Um, but the reality is we have to have better connectivity. Software as a service truly will not work if you don't have the connection piece. So um, recently I uh, had a, a person that was trying to connect to our cloud platform, and they said, I can't use it because I got, what I call it the scrolling beach ball of death, okay, <laughs> on their workstation. And I explained to them. It's called said, a feature. Okay. <laughs> and I explained to them that, that wasn't the application. 
that was their connection. And once they could connect, they could do their job, but it just took too long to make that connection happen. And so that, is, that has been uh, Bill Marion's big uh, move forward is to make that connection significantly improve, making the user experience better. Yeah, so I was going to say uh, the Air Force and the Army are actually partnering in something called Enterprise IT as a Service uh, to get after this very question about how do I think about innovation differently than the normal construct. I, I think you've – I've never really seen – I spent many decades in the Air Force. Uh, the Army and the Air Force really are after this problem set, and I think they're not stuck in traditional thinking, which is awesome. I, I think we've used uh, OTAs a bunch. We've used – all sorts of ideas. As a service is a huge thing. Uh, you know, analytics as service, I, I wrote that down. That's brilliant. I'm going to use that. Um, but that's all the kind of things that I think how we partnered together is how do we find the sweet spot as a service uh, to let us focus on the war fighting part while you you uh, help us focus on the data and the IT part. All right. Here's a question over here. I'm Mike Gamble with NetCup Technologies. Um, We've spoken a lot about being able to get access to the data through legacy applications by improving the cloud, uh, network connectivity, et cetera. But what about access to the actual data? Are, are we moving towards a paradigm shift where we're looking at storing the data in a completely different method, for instance, blockchain technology? Are you working in that direction? What I would suggest is that's what um, the Army Leadership Dashboard exactly did. We moved 135 data sets. We didn't move one application, right? So the question is how do you extract that and then you kind of get the big questions, I think, that Jason hinted to is uh, who should see what and uh, how do you protect uh, that data scheme? I think we've done some uh, innovative work in Gabriel Nimbus where we lock down every cell of data and we have specific rules about each element of that data set about who sees it and what do you combine it with and who has authority and, and, and uh, propriety of that data set and the derived data set that that will create. And I think that's what we're really getting experience in is what those rules should look like and how should they mature because I think you bring a brilliant point up about, you know, again, when you have unclassified, unclassified, unclassified data that you combine, its, it's relationship will, uh, will drive perhaps a different classification or some not need to know by somebody or expose something that you don't want to expose. And I think that, that's the work we're really after is that uh, data protection You'll see in uh, our Army data plan, and I think in the, in the Air Force, too, is that we really are after the secure part of the data, not just the interoperable parts. You, you, can't, you can't have just some elements of the data vault as part. You've got to have all the elements so you, you don't get lost in the translation. That's all the time we have. Today I played excerpts of a panel I moderated at the FCN Nova Small Business IT Day. My guests were Greg Garcia, the Deputy CIO and Chief Data Officer for the Army, and Eileen Vadreen, the Air Force Chief Data Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.